Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, an incredible producer, development executive, and overall human being, my good friend, Lynn Kirby. And when I say Lynn is one of the smartest people in our industry, that's actually not hyperbole. She, she really is. And she managed to parlay that brilliance to television somehow, both as a network executive and a producer. She now works as a development exec with the amazing company, Newtopia, Jane Root's company, where she created the hit show for CNN, Finding Jesus. She also created a documentary about water that found its way to the Sundance Film Festival. We talk about that whole thing. Not a small feat, obviously, but knowing Lynn, we we haven't even seen the best of what you can do just yet. Oh, my God. We're doing this, Lynn. Okay. <laughs> You're on. Should I disrobe? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. Okay, we're recording. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, let's just get this over with. <laughs> All right, Basically. I'm here. I do my intro before. I know. Okay. I, I can I can hear the theme music playing now. Aw, so you actually listen. <laughs> Thank dun, you. Dun, dun. So Lynn is here under duress. <laughs> I have her handcuffed to my out, outdoor furniture and I'm forcing a microphone in front of her in front of her mouth, basically. Right? You are indeed. <laughs> no, so the the truth is is yes, it's true. <laughs> not that not the handcuff part, but the duress. I'm um, used to ankle bracelets, it's okay. <laughs> exactly. So Lynn, I Lynn and I have been friends a very long time. Fifteen years, by the way, I figured out this Whoa. morning. I know. Um, and since I started the podcast, I keep, I said, you have to come on, you have to do this. And you always would just deflect and try to make it go away and, and, and distract me, which worked until it didn't work anymore. I just ran out of excuses. <laughs> exactly. So here I am. Um, and the other funny thing is that you come up on so many other podcasts. And I think oh, I even, really? say, yes, your name always comes up somehow. And everyone goes, oh, I love Lynn. I love Lynn. She's so I'm, smart. She's I so think smart. I'm betraying that I haven't heard all of your podcasts. <laughs> all 3,000, in fact. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it comes up on everyone. It didn't come up on like Countess Luann, <laughs> but it should have. So Lynn and I met, I always start by saying how I know my guests. So Lynn, you and I met when you were at Court TV. No, Discovery. Must... Your first run at Discovery. Oh. You were like consulting oh, for them. Yes. And I had my own company in New York. And we Back met when Jane Root ran Discovery. Yes, I, was, I was working. I did work for her briefly between Court TV and Sundance. That was that little so window. Two thousand five. Yeah, ish. Yeah. Exactly. So fourteen years. Fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we met kidding? in the Beanstalk offices with Laura York. Yes, and you and me and Susan Harwood. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Back in that day, and I think I think it was love at first sight. Yeah, it was. It was. Right. Um, I fell in love with you and Susan, your yes, partner. Yes, who's now time. a realtor. Who's <laughs> now a realtor. Killing and, it. Uh, that's like exactly, we're all in training for that <laughs> career. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, why um, aren't we realtors? She's killing it. I yeah. fell in love with the two of you. Uh, and uh, as somebody who was trying to, you know, just form good relationships with creative, interesting people, uh, you know, it was a love fest from day one. But we didn't end up working together, I don't think. No. At least not then. Not then. And then we tried. You tried to buy a show for me when I went to stage three in Philly. I tried so hard and you I wouldn't know, let me. I know, I know. <laughs> but we but we always, I, I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I have a lot of kind of, I put in quotes, friends in this industry. But you are one of my real friends. And we really do love each yeah, other. <laughs> and most it, definitely. Yeah, and it goes beyond, like, if I were to become a realtor tomorrow, we'd still be friends. I'd probably buy a house from you. And I need to tell you that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's well, time. surprise. Ex and, you know, news flash. I'm doing it, too. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up, because bitch stole my look. I'm moving to L.A. <laughs> do you remember you that? copied me. Yeah. That was hilarious. So I told you, kind of very confidentially, that we were starting to think about moving probably like in January, like a year before we moved. And then six months later, you're like, I have big news. We're moving. I was like, wait, no, that was my thing. What do you mean you're moving? Yes. It's so funny because it wasn't, even though, you know, it looks like I copied you. <laughs> I dare you. It was actually a spur of the moment, really kind of a whimsical thing. And honestly, that we can just like stop the podcast right now because that's the theme of my life is serendipity and just, oh, something, you know, an opportunity arises and I just kind of go for it. Yeah, which so, is um, which is what was the opportunity? Yeah, you ask me that. <laughs> well, that one was yeah, it was kind of like had, the stars after, aligned. Mm -hmm, the stars all aligned. 
I had, uh, after spending 15 years on the network side at a bunch of different networks from Court TV to Discovery to Sundance Channel and then back to Discovery for a minute, um, I had jumped to the producer side and uh, was finishing, had just finished three years running a company called Paperni Entertainment U.S., they were a Canadian company that got bought by E1. Um, don't exist anymore. But I ran their oh, they U.S. Don't? operation. No. Oh, no, interesting. They, they, they sort of put them all out of business recently. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it, it was great. Well, it lasted and then it was over. And then I was working for um, Alex Gibney's Jigsaw Productions. Alex and Jane uh, Root, Newtopia. Um, just, you know, too little, <laughs> too little uh, giants just, in like, our industry. switched off of formats and right over to premium doc for yeah, a really? second. But um, both are sort of, were longstanding relationships. Uh, so it's not out of nowhere. And um, discovering the delights of working in my pajamas at home uh, with a laptop. The best. Uh, and <laughs> really feeling like I didn't want to go into offices anymore after I had enough of offices already. Decades of offices. So, yeah. Um, but everything was going great, and I was working for for both Jigsaw and Utopia, and more for Jigsaw, and and going into their office, uh, and um, having a great time um, for both of them and with both of them. And then somehow, my brother in law, who lives out here, has nothing to do with the business, um, came uh, through town and just casually asked, uh, "Hey, would you guys like to come? You know, rent our guest house for?" And I had mentioned it to you. I think you did. You're like, you can always because I was like, where am I going to live? Yeah, I think he's looking to rent in, yeah. in Calabasas, right? And I'm like, no, that's too far. <laughs> and uh, my, you know, my daughter raised her hand. She was 13 at the time. She's like, can I ride your horse every day? And he was like, are you kidding? Of course. So kind of the fix was in right there. I love it. And honestly, it just kind of made sense. This it, this isn't why I moved to LA, but the center of gravity of the business, you know, was shifting over here with obviously Netflix, Amazon, uh, and then many players to follow. The it, timing was it, just right. The timing was right. It worked and out. you had lived here before. Yeah. yeah. When when was that? Like, I need the whole time. Let's start at the beginning. I, I, no, I'm not putting dates on any of this stuff. No, no, no. I'm we don't need dates, I'm but we need, we need some type of chronology <laughs> to organize your life. So born and raised in North Carolina. Yes. Uh, Charlotte, Raleigh, and then I went to Chapel Hill as an undergrad. Right. Uh, no and slacker. Ended up going to UCLA for grad school. So I got the basketball schools down. <laughs> Although Carolina lost last night. Ugh. Wait, I don't know that you went to, what did you go to grad school for? Film and television. Really? Yes. UCLA. Yeah. Fancy girl. <laughs> so then what did you think you wanted to be? Not a lot of people know that I went to grad school. Yeah. And, and not a lot by of the people way, should. Nobody cares. So that's the thing about our, that a secret. Right? Yeah. I did too. Cares. Like, nobody fact, cares. People anti-care. Well, that's <laughs> I, I always joke that my first day of my uh my first job in Bangor, Maine, my news director said, Remember all those lessons you learned in grad school about ethics and all that? Leave them at the door. Wait a minute, you went to grad school too? Yeah, I went to Northwestern. How did I not the know? best oh, journalism well. school in the country. Again, oh, wow, yeah, nobody cares. Yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell. Whatever you do, don't It's advertise. a mark against you. <laughs> yeah, and we did it with no bribes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm in the middle of all that. We're in the middle of it. Uh, so then, yeah, what did you want to do? So what did I want to do? Uh, I wanted to... Um, well, for a long time, I thought I was going to be an academic and just go like be a college professor. I could see it. I could so <laughs> see up. it. Well, you're so smart. I actually, did, I, I did teach for a while at UC Irvine when I was uh, writing my dissertation, but I didn't enjoy it. I did yeah. not enjoy teaching. <laughs> Don't like I those had, kids. I thought I had to know everything. And the fact that I didn't, you know, I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know everything. But then, uh, you know, and then also the, these blank faces, <laughs> you get nothing back from them. I'm like, fuck this. I'm, just, I'm moving on. <laughs> so anyway, I did. I actually finished uh, finished my dissertation. I got the, the degree, and promptly did not teach or do anything or take any jobs offered to me in academia. Wait, you got a PhD? Oh, sh oh, shit. oh my god! Did I just say that? I mean, not that I'm shocked in the least, but that's. I really didn't calculate that. I honestly right. Thought so you that knew was that like was four years, meant. six years. That's a big chunk I'm of time. Not giving you any dates here. <laughs> I don't need let's, years. Shh, let's go beyond dates. Okay. So then you get your PhD and you promptly throw it in the trash yeah. and you go do what? <laughs> what was the first job? It's funny. I was working for an independent producer out here. I thought I was going to go make films. Yeah. So what kind of movies did you want to make? Um, I thought I was going to make Hollywood movies, but of the independent variety. Right. I had worked on a project with this producer to try to raise money for a series of independent films on public television. And... Uh, it didn't actually come to be, but it was going to be modeled on like the Channel 4 thing where, you know, they give money to remarkable filmmakers, first to acquire films. And that was, you know, 
back in the era of all these like David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch and these right. amazing filmmakers. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I liked it all. I had studied classical Hollywood cinema. I was working for an independent producer. So it was kind of all open to me, just filmmaking. But and then, didn't happen. I was going to say, then did you actually do it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what happened? What happened was I needed a job and one came open. And it was uh, working at KCT, which is the public television station, yeah. you know, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, then it wasn't, now it is again. Right. And um, was a programmer. So then really? I was yeah, acquiring and scheduling programming. Is that where you met Neil? Yeah, I mean, I, he, Neil's my husband. Yeah, oh, He was the at way. the time running a TV series called A Life From Off Center, which was like this kind of arts, public television arts series out of Minnesota, but it was kind of national. And I thought he has the cool job. And we met and then I ended up moving to Minneapolis for that's a few right. years. Oh my God. Yeah, and that's where he's from. 90s. That's where he's from. And that's where ITVS, do you, have you ever heard of ITVS? Independent Television Service. You have a blank look on your face. Oh my God. Should I? <laughs> the, the series uh, Independent Lens. Oh, okay. POV. So oh, of course. They, they, basically, they make fun filmmakers to make films for those kind of things. So I worked on a bunch of documentaries. How cool and, is as that? As an executive and oversaw like a, like an EIC and oversaw a series made for, directed at teenagers that was kind of an on the road. Hi8, remember Hi8 video? Yeah, of course. Hello, <laughs> so that's how I learned your film. It was called... Um, <laughs> Why am I blanking on it? Well, because it was, it was a long road, time ago. Road trip thing. Maybe it was called road trip. <laughs> it's like it's like, called Jersey Shore. It was anyway. <laughs> so uh, the ride. It was called the ride. Okay. Uh, Sean Agar was the actual producer here in L.A. But anyway, we um, it was a great show, and it was teenagers with armed with height cameras, trained, and then they go around the country in a van, and you know spend the night with other teenagers around the country, and a lot of diversity, and shoot their lives, and all this stuff, and. The guy who was like the production manager on the show went on to do um, Road Rules at MTV. Get out. And I remember the producer of that show, of our show, The Ride, going like, I can't even tell you how many times we said the road rules are. <laughs> so, so whatever. Funny. He didn't take the format. He certainly right, right, right. The title, a little different. That, that's fine. Whatever. And how, how did you know what you were doing? Right. I didn't. Fake <laughs> <laughs> it till you make it. I sort of had the one a big moment of that. Uh, but because of that... Um, I had befriended somebody through ITVS who was a prominent children's television producer in New York. And she got offered this job at Court TV that she didn't want. And she was like, call my friend Lynn Kirby in Minneapolis. Maybe she'll take it. <laughs> and it was basically starting up uh, a unit, two shows, two weekly shows aimed at teenagers for Court TV. Wow, you really had your niche. <laughs> you know, seriously, and just, I think that, pretty sure they thought I knew more than I did. Right. <laughs> and I'm sort of a quick study and just kind of, figured it out and made it work. And nobody actually thought it would work. The only reason Court TV in 1996 wanted to have shows for teenagers is because the founder of Court TV, Steve Brill, had made so much money off the OJ trial and he felt guilty. So this is, again, right after, you know, o the OJ trial was all of 1995. So right, and that put them on the map. 96, put them on the map, made yeah. them who they are. Yeah. But he felt so guilty for the, for making so much money off of that that he, you know, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to just make really? shows for teen, you know, educational. They didn't even care what it was, so they had two shows. So I had this opportunity. Nobody was looking. It was like being in the basement and just like <laughs> right. go make some shit, do whatever you want. Say it's teen television or something. And was that a big deal for you to pick up and move to New York? Like you had it never. Was, lived I didn't there. have a child at the time, right? And your um, husband was game. I, I sort of, I got off this interview on the phone and went upstairs and said, I can't, can I move to New York? And he's like, sure. He's great. And I'm like, I'm packing now. <laughs> yeah. How so soon can I get out of I this? Was, it was winter in Minnesota. Right. I'm like, yeah. let me go. No. And then, uh, so I did kind of really quickly. Uh, and I remember I was at Sundance Festival, Film Festival in 1996. Right. And um, I had gotten to know um, one of the the leading lights of independent film, Christine Vachon. I ah. also, and, and James Seamus, we had been grad students together in this you know study everyone. film in France thing. Oh my God. So uh, I saw Christine and, and I was like, you know, should I stay with this film that I'm slowly trying to raise money for? Or she's like, take TV, it's faster. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give her the credit for that Amazing. one. Amazing. Um, so I just kind of went in and just made it up as I went along and then eventually ended up getting a Cable Ace nomination. Remember the Cable Aces? Of course. Uh, for one of the shows and everybody was like surprised, you know, like, what <laughs> is like, she doing? Wait, and then they started watching the shows and then they started making notes. Wow. <laughs> Before that, I was like, we. Yeah, you could do whatever you yeah, want. It was fun. I had so much fun and I, we, I drew the, you know, the late night edit shift, but loved my editor and probably have never had a better time in television, honestly. We just really? kind of made it up. Who were you working with? I had a great time. His name was Lee Elman. 
Okay. Is he still? He's still in the business. Yeah. Okay. Producer. I think he lives in Florida now. Okay. Um, but we just had a ball. I love it. And uh, and then yeah. did that morph into a different job at Court TV? It did. So uh, that kind of stuff was, I was producer for a couple of years and then uh, a new boss came in, uh, Eric Sorensen. Love him. Yeah. And Wasn't they, he a news guy? Uh, he was. He, was, yeah. he had been a, a news guy, uh, mostly at CBS. CBS. Yeah. Good memory. Well, I around the same time I worked on a Brian Gumble magazine show. There you go. And I think we either overlap. That was like ninety eight. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Could, could be. So this is this yeah. will be like about ninety seven or ninety eight. Okay. He came in and was tasked with you know putting together a prime time for Court TV. Court TV at the time was these amazing trials <laughs> right. and that was all it. day long and then kind of like recaps at night and then a few like small claims courts and some other <laughs> types of shows. So they didn't really have any like programming that you could just call programming. Yeah. Uh, so I became their first director of development. He just believed in me and gave me the, the opportunity. I had done development at ITBS, the place okay. you don't know. Back in <laughs> now <Nevada>. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, uh, yeah, then we, we did all this crime programming and sort of my claim to fame uh, over the years I was at Court TV in development was bringing in uh, and working with independent filmmakers, like documentary filmmakers. That's how I got to know Brett Morgan and Joe Berlinger and Alex Gibney oh my and God. Beth B and David Van Taylor. And I, 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 uh, Court TV, I gave them their first, you know, uh, DuPont award, like kind of serious, you know, wow. <laughs> award. So they uh, all made uh, stuff David for Court Van TV? Taylor, Brad Lichtenstein's documentary, Ghost of Attica. Yeah, they all, uh, uh, Alex, we just did development, but that, that okay. started my relationship with Alex. And it was before he was a director. He was a producer at the time. He had not done, yet done Enron or you know, any of the Did you see greatness in his eyes? Oh, my God. Well, Alex, yeah. Totally. Yeah, from the beginning. So smart yeah. and so together. Um, and it's kind of not, I, I think it's not, you know, an accident that he, that his directing is is an outgrowth of his, you know, producing. He was mm -hmm. a producer first. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that was great. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I want to say that I did that to, you know, there was the awards thing, but also livening up the crime genre to just get out of the same kind of formula. Uh, and one of the, my favorite shows from that time was George LeVu, who was the producer of Real Women Have Curves. Remember, that was America Ferrara's first I love that movie. Film, and he's he sort of discovered her in a way. But um, he directed this documentary called Psycho Killer Finds Love. That was not <laughs> what we ended up calling it. But it's the kind of thing that like in 1999 or 2000, whenever it was, we did it was sort of like mm, kind of too risky, too edgy. Yeah. And today would people would be like, it would be like a 10 part series on Netflix. <laughs> totally. This was the story of this guy who I wish I could remember his name, who had killed this woman, cut her up and eaten her in Times Square, cooked her on a stove and then got put in a mental institution because he was clearly mental, uh, but then got out, you know, 15 years later inside while he was inside, um, he met this other woman who was crazier than him, who had also killed somebody, and she got out too. And they were living in Queens. Stop it! And yeah, it's a great story. And yeah, so it was like the guy's story and interviewing him. And he was and a he free had, man when you guys met. Yes, him? and he had to be make the decision that it was you know he's kind of outing himself to his neighbors in Queens, like his next door neighbors. Um, creepy. It was really the it was spin, kind of awesome. The spinoff is my neighbor's a psycho killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So how long no, were you Court TV? Like four or five years? Oh my years? God, nine years. Was it really a that A lifetime, long? yeah. Holy shit. I mean, it was great. It was a little bit the Brill years, largely the Henry Schleif years, which, you know, Henry, he's awesome. He brought all this energy to the channel. He focused us on entertainment and not just trials. Um, it was great. I had a really good time. He really believed in doing kind of like pro-social stuff alongside mm -hmm. all the, the kind of, he didn't feel the guilt that Steve Brill felt for OJ, but, you know, uh, he knew that it was important to kind of balance your schedule. And also he really genuinely believes in doing, you know, good, good things um, on the side. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, if so you had to I pick... was able to do a lot of stuff that I don't think I could have done that at another network at the time. Because it didn't that. exactly fit. Right. I mean, I was doing regular crime story, just the, you know, bring them in, masterminds, all that stuff. It was great. But in the forensic files, I was there at the birth of forensic files. I'm not saying I could Did take you credit buy for it. it. Well, I was part of a team. Okay. How about that? Under led by Mary Silverman, who was one of my favorite bosses. Uh, mother I, to Ben a, Silverman. Two favorite bosses. Mother's Ben Silverman. Mm -hmm. She was awesome. I learned so much from her. Incredible. Yeah. So if you had to pick one show from the nine years that you're the most proud of, or that was sort of like the best story of how you actually got it made, could you pick just one? Oh my God. Um, or how, how I got it made story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well... No, <laughs> it's hard to pick one. Um, well, okay, here's one. Uh, so Brett Morgan, 
and uh, he and Annette Burstein had just made a couple of films together and were about to make The Kids Days in the picture. Love um, that film. And they had done On the Ropes, right? Before yes, that. they did. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, no, it was I'm their a fan, student huge fan. sort of film, but that went on to, I think, did it win the Oscar? It got nominated for sure. It definitely got nominated. I don't um, know if it won. In 1999, I believe. Okay. Um, and they came in with, with Joe Berlinger. Joe was like their EP. Um, and I'd already met both Joe and Brett. This is the value of, you know, just relationships and forming them and, and taking every opportunity. I had been at a student film festival that, believe it or not, I had a film in there as a producer. Really? Not a student film festival. Sorry, just a film festival. Okay. <laughs> this was his student film was in there. It was oh, called Ollie's okay. Army um, about Oliver North's run for, you know, office. And uh, I had a film in there that was directed by my husband's ex-wife. I'm not kidding. No. The talented Shelley Ainsworth, Minneapolis. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it is kind of crazy. <laughs> oh my God. 16 millimeter, you know, classic kind of narrative, wow. um, sort of dark comedy. And uh, I went to the screening of Brett's film and I happened to sit next to him. This was 1996, I think. So we just struck up a thing. And then nine, three years later, he comes to my office or four, whatever it was. And Joe, I had met Joe because when I did that teenager show, for court TVs, I sent producers and I went too over to HBO to inter interview Joe and Bruce Sanofsky, his partner, who the late Bruce and great Bruce, who had made Paradise Lost, you know, the murders. In yeah, the West, of course. Uh, whatever. And um, we interviewed him. So like I already had a relationship with both of them. Walking, they just like but not wow. hadn't seen him in like three years. So yeah. it was great. So um, that's always good because you get trust, you know, uh, going quickly in a relationship if you've already met somebody in, a, in some other kind of setting. Absolutely. So they did the wrong man pilot. And we called it the wrong man question mark because we weren't always sure. And I'm pretty sure one of the wrong men was actually the right man. So <laughs> what was that? This was a, the first of the kind of innocence project, you oh, know, wow. death row. Uh, did they do it or did they not? Okay. You know, wrongly convicted. Yeah. Potentially wrongly so convicted. Who, so Joe and Brett did it together? Joe was the EP. Wow. So Campbell, much greatness Campbell, on one guy show. Named Campbell McLaren who's great. He brought him in. He, he was the EP. And then um, Brett and Nanette uh, directed and produced and shot it. Incredible. Yeah. But wow. then but then they, they the series got greenlit, but they yeah. had to bail because they went to make Kids Days in the Picture. Which is such a great movie. Which is such a great movie, yeah. Exactly. Um, if you haven't seen I mean, I'm sure it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something. It should be. It's, it is. It's it's, it's just it's, it's it's oh my god, it's, it's so just beautifully like shot and, it's so yeah. You know, for anybody who's interested in the business, yeah. Loves Hollywood, oh, I was old Hollywood, say old Hollywood. All those movies like The Godfather, what have yeah. you. See yeah, my, uh, run, old run don't walk. Book. I have this really cool old Hollywood book here. You'll have to yeah, check it out you, later. You just pulled that out to impress yeah. me. <laughs> well, I can't read upside down. I'm, I've become <laughs> recently. That's why I'm not an agent. Yeah, exactly. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm into old Hollywood now. I'm reading lots of books. Anyway, okay. So Court TV. So then was that, so Discovery, that short Discovery, Discovery was a short, like okay. I, I left it was a finally, blip. finally. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it was like, I couldn't believe, every year I'd be like, okay, I'm leaving this year. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just like, you can't be somewhere nine years. Well, anyway, I was. Yeah. And then I went to, um, Jane Root and I were already friends, had worked together a little bit, but mostly not. And she had um, taken over at Discovery, been hired to run the Discovery Channel. Uh, so this was 2005 was when I left Court TV. And um, she said, hey, I could use an extra hand in development. When you, why don't you join my team? And I'm like, do I have to? She goes, no, you do not have to move to D.C. Right, and you can be in your pajamas. <laughs> Stay in New York. Be, not, not being, yeah, right. Not, <laughs> not when I come to D.C., but otherwise fine. Yeah. So uh, I did some, it was wonderful. I had a fabulous time working with Jane and her team uh, for about five months, I'd say. And then I went to Sundance Channel. Right. So you basically ran the show at Sundance or the unscripted show. I was head of, show. SVP of original programming for four years. First under Laura Michael Chishin, another one of my favorite bosses. Yeah. And Larry Adam, who was fabulous uh, head of the channel. Um, and it was sort of the fun years of Sundance. It really, we got to do so much great programming. The only, we didn't have advertisers. There were right. no ratings. Right. Uh, we did branded entertainment. That's how we, you know, made money, but uh, besides subscriptions, but we didn't have to, you know, really dance to the tune of any particular number. So we got to do a bunch of, and Brett Morgan came back and did a series for us. Which I had already worked do? with World of Wonder at Court TV, did many shows with them there, and here they were back with more shows. So it was it's fun, kind of fun to track these relationships. Alex Gibney, too. We did a documentary with him that started at Court TV, weirdly, although I wasn't on it at Court TV, but I became the exec on it at Sundance. So continuing my relationship with these amazing talents. Um, you know, just I just started early. I love it. Uh, and, and that's where you met just, Bob. just kind of continued. 
Bob. Yes, Bob. <laughs> yes, Mr. Redford. Um, who's a good friend. Not of mine, of yours. <laughs> yes, I would call him a friend. But that's uh, that's, a, that's a testament to you. So I'm just going to brag on you for a minute. You're going to have to just deal with it. Okay. So, and this is, you've even said we'll it without see. realizing what you're saying, which is that, you know, you meet these people, very talented people over the years, and they all gravitate toward you too. And yours is also very likable as a person. So it's not just your brilliance and your talent. It's just your fun and you're like a good time. Well, thank you. <laughs> Most of the time. No. Um, you are. And so people like that. And, and those relationships end up always kind of coming around. That's like a theme in your life where, you know, end up 10 years later, all of a sudden you're doing a project with Bob again or whoever it is that you've kept these relationships um, and you don't even do it strategically. I don't feel like, I don't feel like you do it as like, Oh, I got to make sure that I'm on, you know, making sure to keep in touch with so-and-so like you just are that person. And that's just a good, like we always try to impart these lessons to the children. No, to the younger, you know, people coming up in the business that not only should you seek out these relationships, but you should nurture them too, because they're always going to be, valuable in your career. Yeah, most definitely. And I think uh, if you can nurture, you know, genuinely nurture to, you make a really good point there. Um, Not Hollywood nurture. Not Hollywood nurture. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's also because I come out of more like of that kind of indie film, whatever, indie television world where credibility is kind of, you know, super important. It's everything really. Yeah. And I just sort of, you know, I, I said there, serendipity is the theme here, but I didn't intend to go to a network. I didn't intend to go anywhere. Just sort of kept happening. Yeah. And if it never felt right for me, then I would sort of not be there any longer. Uh, I really believe in that too. And that's what happened eventually with Sundance. Well, you... eventually with Sundance, what happened was, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it, it, it got sold to um, what's now AMC Networks and you know, the kind of original gang kind of broke up and um, it was good working there still beyond the original gang leaving. But, um, you know, you could sort of say, okay, that was an era and, you know, it may be time to move on. So and I that, did. and that was that discovery fit and health was the stint. Was that, <laughs> I was just remembering that. Yeah. Was that after Sundance? It was, it okay. was, it was right after um, it was I think about 15 or 16 months. I went over okay. to, uh, and my old boss from Sundance, Laura, uh, was oh, running right, 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 right. running them. And one was Planet Green and one was, uh, they, they, Green, they took R.I.P. these two networks, oh, yeah. the Discovery Health Network and the Discovery Fitness Network, which literally was that guy, mm-hmm. what's his name on the beach? You know, the Israeli, yeah. it was like a that. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but Gilead I know. Or something like yeah. that. Uh, and uh, they, they were going to, you know, cancel that. Right. Gilad it with Gilad. Yeah. Was it. <laughs> uh, and uh, I said, you know, I always told them they should call it the filth network Fit plus health. Like, <laughs> who's not going to watch that? They did not listen to me. And no, look sadly, what happened. Exactly. No, planet green self. was in the process by the time I got there of not being green anymore. <laughs> they were turning brown, green, <laughs> turning something else. So, uh, and to what actually what it, what it is now, which is destination America. And, and that's sort of a, something like what the old travel channel used to be. So the kind of food, right. And so ghosts when, and shit. So when you, went from so many years on the network side to the yeah. producing side after that. Yeah. What was, I remember, because I remember you calling me when you got to paper New York, as I called it, <laughs> Paperni, you were like, you were cute. You were just like asking me all these questions that were like, oh, she's just a little babe in the woods. <laughs> little dis- And then I think six months later was like, shit, this is hard. It's hard to sell. And oh my God. Like, Welcome yeah. to it, sweetie. Well, yeah. You know, tough transition, right? Tough transition, um, good one. I'm, yeah. I must say, I really enjoy being on this side of it. So now it's now been eight, I think, or nine years yeah. that I've been on this side of it. Uh, yeah, God, I reached out to you. I reached out. I remember Abby Greensfelder was another <laughs> person who was very generous and helpful to me. Jane, of course. Right. But uh, uh, I really did not. There were so many things I did not understand when I was on the <laughs> network side that like, you know, within six months being on this side of it, you're like, oh, my God. So this is how it works. And this is what they mean, you know, when they come back to the network and say, why do I have to have round 10 of notes? Yeah, exactly. I mean, let me just say that too. I used to be, talk about having to learn things. I was the biggest noter on earth. And I like this early micro, nobody showed me how to do it. I just kind of did it. Right. When I was at Court TV and oh my God, I'm pretty sure I tortured people. And, you know, Randy 
uh, Barbado and Fenton Bailey probably hated me back then. And that's <laughs> a testament. To, you're right. It's a testament to me that they're still my friends because <laughs> I would have like thrown my notes in the tray. They're just too many. Right. You know, cut to the chase and s- enough already. And But, you know, I didn't understand things back then. Uh, I do. I do. I even learned while I was at the networks to stop being so relentless. But there are a lot of things you don't get until you c- come to the other side. It's an, it's eye opening. But what helped you? What helped you from the network side? Like, what did you get that other people that haven't been on the network side? What what it, what knowledge did you take with you that you actually found? You valuable? understand what networks like, and and with a with a capital N, what they are looking. Maybe it's with a small N. I don't know what, what any <laughs> network is looking for. Like, they really want reassurance that you know it's, you're not going to fuck it up and it's going to be okay and yeah. it's going to be good. Yeah. And so that that's explains their antsiness, but also you understand you're in these meetings all day and you're talking to ad sales and marketing and PR and all these departments that want something from you. And it's all around the programming that you, the producer on the other side are making for, you're making it not just for your development executive, you're making it for this whole network of people that are invested in it and invested in its success. And, you know, understanding that mindset helps you just be a better, yeah. I think, seller. No, you're right. Could you ever go back? No. <laughs> Having said all that. Having said all that. I, you know, but it's so funny because when I left court TV, I'm like, I'm done with TV. I'd like, or certainly the network side of it. I'm just like, I've had it nine years. That's enough. <laughs> Cut to. The only, so the only networks I would really want to work for would be like HBO or Sundance. And then the Sundance materialized out of nowhere. So never you say sec- never. You secreted it. <laughs> <laughs> I secreted it. You secreted it. Did I secrete it? You just sec- you secreted <laughs> it. <laughs> you're secreting right now. Did you know that? Am I? <laughs> Am I? Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you've done some incredible stuff on the producer side since you've been independent. Thank you. Um, you had a film that went to Sundance. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Talk yeah. about that, how that came to be, how okay, you secreted yeah, the, that. <laughs> <laughs> the um, film is called Water and Power at California Heist, directed by the wonderful, talented Marina Zenovich and um, executive produced by Alex Gibney and me and Stacey Offman from... Um, who works under Alex at Jigsaw and is, is wonderful as well. So it was a great, you know, kind of dream team there. Um, and, oh, let me not forget Erica Sashin, our amazing showrunner who also EP'd. That came from an idea that I had while I was at Jigsaw. So it speaks to being in the right place at the right time and having the relationships to make it happen. And Alex and his company were the only ones who could really make it happen because it looks at the politics of, you know, water. And, and it was just from an article you read, right? Isn't that where it started? Yeah, I, I mean, that particular idea. It, yeah, the whole thing, it ended up being a, a documentary and then a series too, uh, all uh, for Nat Geo, um, which I don't think they would do that now, but back then they were looking to do that. This is three years ago, four years ago, maybe. Um, so uh, yeah, basically I'm, because we did a lot of green programming at Sundance, certainly wasn't all we did, but we did a lot of it. Uh, I was educated in the, on the issues enough that when I read this article in the New York Times, uh, in 2015 about aquifers collapsing in California and subsidence, like land just dropping because the aquifer's gone. What's aquifer? An aquifer is the underwater, underwater ground source. You know, they're just these, basically it's like open space between rocks where water is underground. And, you know, a lot of when, like in the drought in California, and this was in the high drought in 2015. Yeah. You know, you know the, the, right. the, the surface water is like rivers and lakes, everything, you know, above ground. And it's fed by snow, melt, rain. Well, you don't have rain, you don't have snow, your rivers go down. And what are all these people going to do for water if they don't, if the rivers are drying up or you're just, your sources are dwindling? You drill down like for oil, but down to these aquifers and pull water up. And, and a lot of places in the world, like in the Middle East, they've been drilling, you know, it's like wells, basically, like giant wells, drilling for water for, for ages. Um, so some of these were going dry, meaning they were sucking too much. So in the drought, you know, and in the Central Valley where they grow a lot of crops on in this essentially a desert. <laughs> right. They, it, you know, if, the, if you're not getting enough water from the aqueduct or the, Cal, it's called the California Water Project, but anyway, your, your steady supply of normal water through rivers and whatnot, you drill down, they've been drilling down and pulling all this water out of there. And in some places they just pulled it all out. And so then what happens? And you're done. You don't, those things don't come back for hundreds, if not thousands of years, if ever. So then you just wait for rain? You just kind of wait for rain. 
Wow. And is this all related and to global warming? that doesn't mean warming? there's no more water in California. It just means like these are like little canaries in the coal mine. Right. Like, uh-oh, if it's happening here, it's happening yes. there. It could happen. You know, nobody really knows how much water is down in the ground. Nobody does. We had this water scientist from JPL who was advising us. And um, so I learned a lot of things yeah, from him too. I'm sure. But I just kind of, the alarm bells went off from yeah. me too. And I thought it was a great story. And a, a researcher, um, a jigsaw researcher, they have amazing researchers, um, uh, they he found this story of this guy who was big agribiz dude almond grower Stuart Resnick in who in the Central Valley who controlled a, a surprisingly large amount of water in the Central Valley through the this underground kind of water bank that he managed to get from the state of California like the taxpayers so it was just kind of I thought the story was incredible and um, so did Jigsaw and so did National Geographic. And we ended up putting together a series where that was going to be the first episode was going to be that. And they wanted, um, NetGeo wanted a, a documentary um, as well. So we made that episode a feature, 90 minute. And then there were three other episodes, different stories of water kind of around the world. Incredible. All very kind of hard hitting, like, boom, you know, this is not right. Yeah. I mean, that, I love that story um, because I think it shows you know, it's really hard to get anything made, right? So especially yeah. something kind of academic and obscure, you know, in terms of sort of like, it's not a murder. It's not, a, right. you know, it's right, not a celebrity. Right. It's freaking water. Um, and like you said, I think that- It's a slow murder. It's a, it Everybody's is. Everybody's gonna die from it in it is. 20 well, years. Well, it's like, it's hard to, you know, look at just, I mean, not to get too political, but just look at- even within the Democratic Party, that like they're not even into the Green Deal. It's like you're not into uh, saving the planet. Are you kidding me? It's hard to get people to care about these issues, unfortunately. Yeah. So to get a entertainment network mm -hmm. to care about these things, you know, obviously the Alex Gibney of it all doesn't hurt. And that's actually a lesson in there, too, which is that like if you want to get your babies made, you got to package it the right way because that's the only kind of hope. Well, I mean, and, and again, Alex is known for taking kind of dense topics and making them entertaining. Yeah. And he's really good at it. And Ron. He likes and, to say, yes, yeah. that his epitaph is going to be, <laughs> I made something like, I made accounting, you know, entertaining. <laughs> Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. Enron. But, um, you know, he's not everything he does, but because he does like music docs and a lot of, a lot of other things, sports, what have you. But um, a lot of his subjects are political or, um, or, or just not maybe the most accessible subject, but he, knows how to make them accessible so it's that was that's one reason it was the right company absolutely to, to do that with uh, and it had an investi investigative thrust that was very direct and in your face and that's kind of his style right and also you he didn't direct it obviously marina did but it was you know that's the 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 vision of the kind of you know production you right it's not an academic this was the no, story of aquifers yeah so was that film going to Sundance? Was that the apex of your career? I mean, when I saw it's that, all I been thought, downhill from there. Well, no, but I thought like this is. I mean, to me, and again, because that's my dream, right? It's like to have a film at Sundance or an equivalent at festival. Know. Like that's your dream. Was that? Yeah, we'll see. So was that kind of like interesting that moment for you? Oh, it was great. It was yeah, wonderful. this was twenty seventeen. Yeah, so two years ago already. Um, yeah, it was great. I just thought, wow, you know, after years of supporting documentaries, uh, first as an executive, right. then as an executive, and then as an executive, <laughs> and then as another executive, then another executive, uh, I finally it felt nice to be part of one as a as a as a hands on producer. That was really great, and I love Sundance. I've been going for years and years as an executive, then as an executive, then as an executive. <laughs> but uh, to go as a producer was was wonderful. Yeah, it was magical. I mean. Is that the apex of my career, mate? Perhaps. Or it's time will tell. Right. It's but so far. <laughs> so far, right? Yeah. What is this like? This is your life and I'm like 100? <laughs> so Maybe. is that going to be on you? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a crowning achievement, but but definitely. Well, you. I mean, your story is like every week I see another incredible announcement of something that you have your hands in. So I have I have a feeling it's going to just get more interesting mm -hmm. from here. Right. That's, a, that's the hope. Yeah. So so in the last couple of years, you've almost exclusively been working with Jane Root at Newtopia. Right. And um, for those of you who don't know Jane Root, which probably very few, she's incredible, huge producer, runs a big company that does big shows, Blue, Blue Chip, is that what we call them? Mm -hmm. um, known for that and sort of these sweeping, big, expensive series. Um, Jane's British, but has a company also in London and D.C. And I think, and you're the L.A. Yeah. presence. I'm the L.A. presence, yeah. Uh, Jane is amazing. She's a force of nature. Um, she's just nobody like her in the business. And we're friends as well and have been for 
a long time. We've worked together on and off, mostly off, but now on for the last few years. Uh, and, and we sort of started working together again when I was running Paper NY. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had a show that we developed around Jesus. Oh, that right. CNN wanted to buy about um, like sort of his sort of the historical Jesus, like could this bone box be Jesus's bone, you know, brother's bone box? And if so, maybe the DNA is in there kind of thing. Great show and ended up being called Finding Jesus. Yeah, Ran for a couple of seasons, but it, I wasn't able to do it by myself. The company I was with was not like that kind of company. It really was, I, I developed a Newtopia show without even thinking mm -hmm. about it or meaning to. So, I, you know, at a certain point uh, I said, hey, I'll be, CNN, I'll be right back. <laughs> right. Let me get and a real, I pretty, real ran to Jane and said, yeah. I need your help to make this. She's like, I would love to make this. So we did it together. And um, I should really give CNN's John Adler the credit here because he championed the project in a great way. He refused to let it go. He gave me the time to figure out how to get it made with Jane. And that was just a great partnership at every level. And, you know, the rest is history. And then after that, it was sort of like, you know, maybe we shouldn't let our friendship get in the way of business. <laughs> yeah. After years of saying, let's never let business get in the way of our friendship. Right, right, right. Um, so and it I works. feel very lucky to have joined her company at a time when they were also ramping up big time. And she's got an amazing team in London. The company is based in London. Jane is based in D.C. And I'm in I'm the L.A. arm, yeah. as it were. So let's talk about development a little bit, because I don't have on a let's. lot of let's my favorite topic. I mean, there's a okay. there's. A lot of people that do development, I actually, you know, I've had a lot of different kinds of people on um, the podcast, but not that many that just really exclusively develop and sort of, you know, are not either running, running a company or running a show. And so you're really, really good at development. And I'm curious what you, I mean, really good to the point where like, you know, I wish I shared a brain with you because <laughs> I, you just always, you. you see the holes, you see the angles. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about what, you think makes you good at development and what you think makes a good development person? Um, that's a good question. I think what, what makes, let's take what makes a good development person. A good development person has, I think, a lot of sort of general knowledge, um, maybe knows a, a little about a lot. <laughs> um, that's useful, actually. Um, a good development person understands something about production. The best development people actually understand production. Uh, they're not just making it up out of thin air. They There's some sense of, can you actually do this or not? Yes. And also they know how to read a budget. Like it, it and I didn't start that way. You right. know, like I had to come to that. I, I made every mistake in the book before I finally figured some things out. I still keep making <laughs> mistakes. Um, I'll just never learn. But, um, but, but understanding how to read a budget, uh, understanding how you can execute uh, and they're and, and creative. I think the best development people are idea generators who like just really love ideas and really love creativity and really like, Hey, wait a minute, we could do it this way. Or what about that? Whether it's their idea or not, right. It doesn't really matter. It's just sort of being part of that creative process and loving it. And also I think now, I mean, we've all had to evolve with the business, right? So it's, it's harder and harder to sell, you know, a water idea or whatever it is in terms oh, of, you know, the layers yeah, that you have, right. The layers you have to attach and talk about that now, because you have to flex a lot of muscles in terms of taking a germ of an idea that might have really great, um, bones, but like, okay, now I have to attach an Alex Gibney or, you know, some really high profile director. So talk about sort of like how you approach the layering. And obviously with Jane, that already gives you sort of a built-in layer of, of that kind of yeah. um, cachet. But even like you said, with the recent project you just announced, you know, you partnered with Brad Pitt's company. And obviously that's a great look for you guys. And, you know, there's an yeah. organic connection there to the material. So talk about how you look at sort of layering projects to get them into the best was what I call them the undeniable package <laughs> the undeniable package exactly so you know how Newtopia you know I mean Newtopia is a big company but it's kind of interesting the way the bigger you get the bigger you have to get uh, in a way in this business and the value of attachments is huge that's a way to I mean everybody's known this forever it's nothing really not new but how do you you know make yourself stand out from from the crowd um and the attachments is, is one way to go, but they, they do have to be kind of, it's hard to just attach people anymore. I was trying right. to explain this to somebody recently who's not really familiar with our business. And like, well, why can't you just, you know, you got a great project and just call them up. I'm like, well, it doesn't work that way. It has to feel in ever, even more than ever, or, you know, organic or material. There's some concrete you know, relationship between the attachment, if you will, and your material or the project. 
Um, but it's it's very helpful. I mean, our agency, which in, in, in uh, Newtopia's case, CAA, they're great. Uh, agents are very helpful, actually, in this cause. Uh, and uh, it's, it's like a big team. But um, I don't think it happens really quickly. I think, you know, it's like nurturing relationships, like you said. That is like key to all of this. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that goes for a lot of the, the projects that you see out there. Like they, there's usually some history not always, but usually some history or some development, some relationship that's been nurtured for a while behind it. It just takes time and it's worth the time. I think trying to, to see, th- to, are you in the long game or the short game? If you're in the long game, you know, you're going to put all these sort of fishing rods out and just wait and cultivate and nurture. That's the wrong metaphor. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, I'm not a fisherman. So yeah, it sounds exactly. good to me. So what about the selling part, like being in the room? Do you like that? I do. Yeah. I, enjoy, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. I didn't know that I liked that until I was doing it. What do you like about it? And that was with Paper NY, mm-hmm. Aparni, New York. Um, what do I like about it? I like people. I really do enjoy people. And I like being able to share, try to get people as excited about something that I'm ex- excited about as I am, is an awkward way to put it. I like trying to get people infected with my enthusiasm right, and passion and try to get them to see why this is such a great project or such a great idea. Yeah. And I you're not, that. you're not phony. So then if, so you've already vetted the project to the point where if you're going to get in the room with it, you're going to be excited about 100%. it. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, um, not just one of those people that's like there. I mean, there was the fake it till you make it kind of thing, you know, early on, but that was more like, I'm just not, I'm going to let them assume. <laughs> I'm not going to correct their misperception yeah, that yeah, yeah. I know it's everything. Fine. I just like, I'll just let them think I know everything. Uh, and it worked out fine. But um, I feel like increasingly that's what people want is some sense of genuine, you know, genuineness about you. And and usually, and I will say this for, you know, Newtopia is a company of great depth in this sense of like they go deep, deep, deep. You know, I'm part of a bigger team, an amazing team uh, that is based in London and uh, everything is done very carefully and in great detail and, you know. There's that old Orson Welles, we will sell no wine until it's time. It's uh, all pretty, you know, buttoned up. So it's worth it. You know, if you can, if you can take the time, it's worth it. Take time. So when I get into a room, generally there's like stuff back there. And, you know, you never know when, like I've, I've had this, you know, good fortune of, even though my memory is like terrible and has been for at least 20 years <laughs> or something, <laughs> the worst. Uh, things pop in all the time right. that, you know, <laughs> Hey, what about that hang person? around long enough? And then you, you go like, Oh yeah, really back in 1998, I blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's surprising how much your experience and relationships come in, you know, come into that, come into the room. They do. I mean, I always say, you know, uh, if my relationships could sell shows, I'd be a millionaire. I mean, in terms, not like, oh, I'm so great, but just because I, I also have a lot of good relationships, but you they're do. not going to get it to the you finish line. You know, they're going to get you in the room. They're going to get you a receptive room and maybe a fun room, but you got to have the goods to back it up because, you know, that's just how it works. Well, it's hard. It's, like you said it. It's hard to sell. It's hard to sell anything. Yeah. Um, it does. You know, and I felt very lucky, honestly, with that show uh, at, um, and, and the documentary. Uh, when I was at Jigsaw, um, again, that was like the right project at the right time with the right network and the right, you know, company. So um, that, you know, you can't make that happen. You just have to keep, you know, positioning yourself in the right place, you know, as best you can. But it helps. Yeah. If you got the stuff behind you to back it up, you know, there's only so far you can go on the kind of the, the you know, you like me, right? Let's just buy my damn show. God, wouldn't that be What's great? What's wrong with you? Yeah, come <laughs> on. I thought you liked me. <laughs> come on. Yeah, you do. Exactly. But you're right. But, uh, people being liked, I guess, uh, and, and everybody loves you. Oh, yeah. That gets you in the room. And listen, you know, if people don't like you, they're not going to let you in the room. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, but that's yet, one down. But you know what? Two to go. Yeah, we still know about those assholes in our business that continues to get shows. And you well, just that say- is a different psychological dynamic. That's not about being liked. That's about being either feared or the executive wants to be the guy that comes in the room and is a, you know. You're so right. And of course, it's a guy. 
Did I say that? I don't mean to gender stereotype here. Of course. Here. Let's so go you, more gender fluid on this. Yeah. Shall we? They. I've had good male bosses and bad male right, bosses. Right. Absolutely. I've had good female bosses and bad female bosses. Absolutely. Do you feel like it's different now being a woman in this industry in the last couple of years? Do you think anything's changed in you know, the wake of Me Too and kind of this cultural shift that we're going through? I think a little, but not a lot. Um, I think what's, you know, on the content side, there's more receptivity to like female yes. characters Agreed. and female content. Yep. On the behind the scenes exec side, I mean, there there should be more women-led companies. There aren't very many. You know, Jane's one. Yeah, I know. I just actually suggested a panel at Real Screen to, that having to do with this exact thing. And I want to put Jane in it too, in the mix. Sally Ann Salzano. Yeah, there's, well, she's there's, on there's it. Yeah, Jenny Abby. Daly. Yeah, Abby. Um, forgot about Abby. There's a, yeah. There, yeah, there are, there are, I mean, it's not that there aren't very many. They're just there's not enough. proportionally. Yeah, there's not enough. Very few. Agree, agree. And why is that? That's a good question. We I should all ask ourselves. That's what I'm saying. That's why I want to do a panel mm -hmm. on it because I find it very interesting. Um, because I think on the network side, there's plenty of female executives. So yeah. why aren't there, why are there so few running right. companies? Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's probably part of a broader conversation too. Mm -hmm. You know, why there are not enough female CEOs of big companies. I mean, it's it's all related. So We're are you going to do the panel? Well, well I just suggested panel. it to Jenny today. I was thinking about it when I was walking the dog and I was thinking boss lady. And I thought, you know, there's some amazing female. It's a good book. Yeah, right. It's already been made. Oh, is that an actual no, book? I'm, I'm sure it's already made. Anyway, we're wrapping up. One last question for you. What does the next five to 10 years look like for Lynn Kirby? Let's talk about the past, shall we? <laughs> I don't have a You don't think ball. you're not, you don't have the vision. I love what I'm doing and yeah. I'm going to keep doing that uh, for the next few years. Yeah. Got to get your, your daughter into college. But I'm also <laughs> eager to see what serendipitous things, got to get my daughter into college and like <laughs> exactly without a bribe. <laughs> Um, Listen, whatever it with. takes or with. Yeah, yeah whatever. Exactly. Jane, um, give her a good bonus this year. <laughs> so uh, so uh, I think I'm excited about the way the business is is changing right now. I mean, and there's a lot of turmoil and, uh, you know, there's a lot of negative things happening and people are just sort of hanging onto the ship, you know, as it's tilting over, over here. But then over there, there's another ship or 10 on the horizon. And it's all going to look different, I think, in, in five years. But, um, you know, some new buyers coming on the horizon. I think you're also seeing that the, some of the premium networks, uh, sorry, the streamers are investing in, you know, the kind of content that they didn't seem interested in at the beginning. That's more like kind of cable or broadcast television, next edition, new version, what have you. But uh, there's there going to be more opportunities, I think. And it's it's a shakeout. And that's, oh, there's always some pain involved in that. But I think it's some good opportunities. I, I'm enjoying it right now. Yeah, you're in a good place too. I think you yeah, hit, well, hit your wagon company. to the right. It's yeah. doing uh, really, really amazing things. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited you finally did this. God bless America. Oh my God, are you really? Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you. If you say so. <laughs> no, you're great. And we always love, you know, what yenting it up? <laughs> I do. I do enjoy yenting it up, I, and thank you for using that word with me and knowing that I knew what it. You're meant. my honorary Jewess. Oh, goddess! I am actually thrilled and flattered by that. <laughs> it all started with that bagel this morning. It did. I got. I buttered you up with my Jewy food. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I locked you up. I'm, I miss New York. I know. Did I tell you? So yeah. thank you. I know you need. I know because I'm knowing you from New York too. That, right. You know. Well, yeah. It makes me feel good. I bring New York into the L.A. I love it. Mm, well, thank you. Thank you.